the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Greetings and welcome to the latest episode of AV Nation TV's Connected. I'm your host, David Danto. This year, this pandemic year that we've been living through, um, we're hopefully, hopefully seeing light at the end of the tunnel. As we record this, we have a number of people uh, getting vaccinated and, and it looks like we're going to be returning back to some semblance of a normal life within the next few months. But, you know, what is normal? I feel like playing George Harrison's What is Life in the background. Um, the, the, the companies that we work for that many of us work for in big cities have been shedding real estate like there's no end. Millions of rentable square feet are available in Manhattan, um, in in San Francisco, in Dallas, in Chicago, across the country, across the world. Clearly, people who are thinking they're going back to normal don't realize that normal has completely changed. I have some awesome guests for this episode of Connected. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, what's the new playbook, what's the culture, what is it going to be like in this hybrid working future. And before we get started, let me ask them to introduce themselves. Um, why don't we start with you, Tracy, and we'll go around. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm Tracy Brower. I'm the author of The Secrets to Happiness at Work. I'm a principal with Steelcase's Applied Research and Consulting Team, and I'm a contributor with Forbes.com and Fast Company. Thank you very much, Tracy. Kevin, you're next. Well, thanks for having me, David. Uh, my name is Kevin Keeler. I'm the co-founder of Enable UC. Spend most of my time helping organizations try to figure out the Microsoft ecosystem and all its complexity. Um, and I write regularly for No Jitter, and I'm also part of the BC Strategies team. Terrific. Thanks very much, Kevin. Rupam, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm part of the Connected Work team here at Frost & Sullivan, and uh, I have tracked real-time collaboration technologies like video and work stream collaboration tools for over 20 years, and really excited to be part of this conversation. Terrific. And uh, rounding out our quartet today, or quintet if you include me, is my, my good friend Tim Albright. Tim, you've got a slightly different title now. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do? I do, I do. Uh, so thank you, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Um, Still with Aviation, but also my full-time job now is a CMO of Comforts Technologies out of St. Louis. Terrific, guys. Thanks very much. So, so I guess the question for today is: is what what are the rules? Um, has anybody come up with a new playbook? Do we understand that we were chatting before we started recording this episode today is, you know, I, and I've said this before, I get emails, I'm on, I'm on chat platforms like Microsoft Teams and, and, and others, and, and I'm taking chat messages on LinkedIn. I said, did a, did a, did a couple of, uh, um, of uh, references for somebody on LinkedIn this week. I get messages from Twitter and from Facebook and I'm SMSing people and texting. And it's like, does it, it, this is all new for everybody, isn't it? I guess, Tracy, I guess I'll start with you. This is, um, you know, this is new for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's totally new. And I think that the really, really strange thing is you mentioned it when we were starting out. You know, it's hard to even keep track of where all the messages are and what we need to be tracking and which is business and which is personal. And they're definitely coming together but I think that we need to be intentional and really think about how we're going to be using some of these new or not so new communication technologies, but how we're going to be using them in new ways. I think we need to learn and codify them, like really 
think about, all right, what's working and how do we need to, um, to move forward with even some new protocols? And I think it might be really individual. Like my preference might be really different than your preference. And so part of it might be like empathy for the person that I'm communicating with. Like what's their preference and what's the platform that works best for them, which is going to be a lot for us to keep track of. But um, I think that intentionality, that codifying and that individuality are going to be really important going forward. But no playbook yet, for goodness sakes. Could could you create one for us and then we'll all be better for it? <laughs> yeah, maybe at the end of this this webinar, we'll, we'll actually write down and do a white paper. And, and actually, Kevin and I were chatting about that when we were talking about Microsoft Teams. I've been very negative about team chat platforms over the years and I'm, I'm happy to be on the record when I'm right and happy to be on the record when I'm wrong I'm not happy but but I'll, but I'll admit it you know clearly I thought the team chat platforms were a problem looking for a solution uh, a, a solution looking for a problem and boy did we give them the problem this year um, you know if we didn't have that we wouldn't have been able to survive as a business but you know you get five different people using the platform and they're using it five different ways nobody's really told us what to do I think well, and I think what Tracy brought up is, is, you know, really important, which is I think you have to figure out as a group um, what's working for you as a group. You know, the idea is, is collaboration. So, uh, you know, you're not doing it by yourself. And I think that the, the challenge with a playbook is um, it's like case studies. You know, unless your organization is exactly the same as another organization in terms of demographics, and the culture, then what really worked well, what was a fantastic playbook for some organization may not work for your organization or for pieces of your organization. And um, yes, everybody's using Teams differently. Yes, Teams has too many ways to do the same thing, which I think is, is a weakness, but it also can be a strength if you have that empathy that Tracy mentioned um, for the group and if you figure out what's working for you know, you and, 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 you know, one of the things I, I think I'll come back to because I'm super passionate about this is, is using analytics to figure out what is working. And, you know, that helps you move past just having opinions um, and, and, you know, find the ways that people are working in this new way of working and, and recognize that it's going to change over time. And so, you know, analytics for me is the best compass that we have to f sort this out. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And also, I think what we should keep in mind that the lack of any guidelines worked just fine during, during the pandemic months. You know, productivity shot through the roof and individual teams and team labor uh, leaders just came up with their own best practices on how to use the technology, when to use the technology to get the job done. So, you know, I, I agree with what was just said that there couldn't be a single playbook for the entire organization, you know, because the workflows are different and job roles are different by functional areas. So I think we have to give that much choice and flexibility to each team, to each line of business to figure out what communication tools and how they use it works best. Um, but I see, David, where you're going with that question, you know, the always on culture is clearly resulting in employee fatigue. Um, so I think there is at a higher level, there is a big need for HR and team lead leaders to take the next steps and um, put in place those best practices for communications, you know, where to draw the line when too much of technology can actually become invasive and intrusive and tiring. So I, I think going forward, we expect 
employee handbook handbooks to have a whole new section on uh, the protocols, the do's and don'ts on how to use technology and when to use which tool uh, that you know everyone has access to. Well, and, and too much technology, also too much connectivity, right? Um, the one thing about this that it's taught us is the fact that, you know, folks that, that have worked from home, and David, you, you work from home probably longer than anybody on this call, um, they tend to, at least at the start, think that they always have to be on, right? There's that, that, that tendency to, oh, I have to re respond to this email, whether it's 5 o'clock in the morning or, five, or, or, or 10 o'clock at night. You know, th there is that, that want and that, that need to feel connected and to feel, you know, productive where that's led us to this, this point that Rupa was, was talking about, you know, where she was talking about the, the fatigue. Some, one of the things that's, gonna, that's probably going to come out of this is some sort of playbook to David's question where, um, you know, what, what is expected, right? What is expected when you are at the office? What is expected when you're working remote? And, and some, some parameters to give folks kind of their, um, their, their evenings and weekends back. Yeah, absolutely. I love all those points. And Kevin, you said something that I thought was really important, and that is the idea that protocols need to be team-based, not just what my own individual preference is, but what's the team preference, because any of the choices that I make individually have a bearing on the team. I think we need to be careful about the productivity conversation as well. I think we heard in the popular press that productivity was going up, but then we heard people were hitting a wall. They might have been doing panic productivity at the beginning, but I love your point, Rupam, that it's really, we're, we're getting fatigued. And I think that a lot of our digital tools were things that we were using before, but they haven't necessarily kept pace with the new intensity and the new expectations where we are now. So maybe we're more productive at home if we're doing rote work, but we also need to be face-to-face. -face. We also need to be um, having the opportunity to come together for tasks that are more complex or work that's more generative or more co-creative, um, work that has more speed involved or teamwork involved. And so I think that we have to think just that this is a really complex topic, the idea of productivity, the idea of performance, the idea how we come together and how we make choices for ourselves and for our teams. So let's let's put aside just for a second, because I want to come back to it, the idea of, of, of how do individuals find their way in this new modality um, without hitting that wall, without getting into the, uh, the, the, the craziness of... Uh, of, of you know, unproductivity and, and, and fatigue and all the other terms that have come up. Let's talk for a second about what are the experts? Who are the people that need to be involved in this that never were before? You know, you would have new technical tools rolled out by IT. You would have, you know, new room systems by, you know, the the uh, the, the, the facilities people, perhaps with IT, perhaps there'd be an AV person involved. I'm not going to get into the a IT AV conversation. But I think now we need to tie in this wellness factor into the conversation that we've never really had before. And it's not the HR role of, you know, just making sure that everything's been announced, but, but it's, it's how how do we make sure that we maintain um, something that allows someone to find their own balance? Kevin, you had a comment about that as well, right? Well, yeah, I think that um, it's really important to understand that, you know, you're rolling out some technology, but it really does need to be, in my opinion, sponsored and led by HR. You know, in a traditional HR department, you have people whose expertise is organizational effectiveness. And that's not 
that's really not the same thing as productivity. You know, like HR has always been responsible for coaching and helping develop leadership and management. And there's been a lot of statistics that have shown that leaders are doing much better during this challenging year. Um, you know, the people that are making the decisions as opposed to the regular workers. And that, that's interesting because leaders are feeling pretty good about this additional freedom, um, but workers are, you know, getting burnt out. And I think leadership has to emulate best practices and those best practices, it's really not about deploying the technology and getting people to use it. It's really about human resources focusing on the humanity and helping people understand, okay, this is how these need to be used. So to Tim's point, you get your evenings and weekends back and you don't feel you're competing to respond to every message, you know, within five minutes. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's so well said. I think we're seeing that leaders are having a moment, right? The leaders who may not have been great at leading by objectives or outcomes or results, boy, they, they need to get on that bus now, right? Because that's the name of the game. There's a wonderful study that looked at when leaders demonstrate more empathy and attentiveness toward employees. Employees are more fulfilled and satisfied and report greater well-being. But the other thing that's super interesting about your question, David, is we've been seeing a lot of customers who are seeing um, a greater integration between HR, IT, and real estate. And a lot of HR organizations are saying that they've formalized policies and practices to a much greater extent over the last year or so because everybody's been kind of sent home. Um, you couldn't do as much organically or in terms of nuance and seeing each other in the office and kind of working through things. And so that greater um, HR role, that integration of HR and that formalization are definitely trends we're seeing. Yeah, and, and I work, um, as, as Tim pointed out, I've worked from home now for two decades. Right, thanks to Carolina, my friend, has, uh, has uh, explained to me that it's work-life blend, not really work-life balance anymore. I've never had a problem taking out my mobile device at, at, at 8 or 9 o'clock and texting back and forth with a colleague because the reality is I work for an international company. So I may have colleagues in different time zones in different countries. You know, I'm, I'm constantly doing that. I've always felt comfortable with that. I felt comfortable because I know that when this call is over, if my workday is over, my workday is over. I don't need to be sitting at this desk, you know, until some magic alarm clock goes off in case a manager wants to walk around and see what I'm doing and make sure that I'm here and working. I'm judged by my output, by my productivity. And that's a lot of major change that's going to take place in terms of how supervisors supervise. Um, the, the, the old, the MBWA, management by walking around, is, is kind of out the window at this point. And I've heard some people say they need to do it now by calling around. You pick up the phone and you start calling people with no agenda. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. We've got to kind of figure out how how we're going to be able to work through that. Uh, you guys have any thoughts about what the new supervi supervisory roles are going to look like? Well, some of it is what you mentioned, David, is, is, is you know, um, management by call, right? Management by connectivity, management by reaching out. I mean, some of it is is just simply what, what part of my new role here is is very fascinating, right? Is is you we have um, a, a number of, of folks in the marketing department that are in St. Louis, but we also have some that are in Detroit and that are in some of our other offices. And so this has been a learning experience for me because you know there are people on my team that I've never physically met in real life, right? Um, now, eventually, once you know the the pandemic starts to lift and we all get vaccinated, 
we will bring everybody together for for kind of a, a, a um, big collaboration. But until that time, right, um, learning things like tone of voice or, or you know, uh, intonation or just seeing what, you know, understanding when, you know, the, you know, when someone's, you know, um, having fun or, or, or making light versus when they're, they're serious, that's all kind of part and parcel of, of understanding and learning the nuances of folks. It's 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 definitely a new skill, one that we haven't used for a very long period of time, one that we're getting used to, one that I've, like I said, I've felt comfortable doing it for years and years, but even I have gotten, last week was a tough week. And you know what, it, that, that happens where, you know, when, you, when you're managing these things on the fly, sometimes you will get nine, ten things happening at the same time, not often. But you, you kind of have to deal with it. You have to be able to read faces and understand people. The, 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 the trick is going to be when we start doing this because we want to, not because we have to. Nobody does anything. They, nobody likes anything they do because they have to do it. And right now we've all had to stay home. So it hasn't been that much of a change for me because I've always been doing it. It's been a tremendous change for a lot of people. But as we start coming out of this pandemic one way or another, eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, people will be able to go back to an office. Why will we go to an office? I'm not going to commute for an hour in the morning, get sweaty in the summer, have to bump into people on the subway to go to an office to sit down at a desk and type. On, on my computer. I can do that from home and save the hour and, 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 you know, enjoy my life and be more productive and sleep later or do whatever I want to do. Same thing for coming home. I'm going to go to an office specifically when I have plans to be with people, when we have a project that we're working on, when we're creating, when we're brainstorming. Um, and, and that means that the office, instead of having these long rows of dense desks, um, in open office environments with huddle rooms we have to grab if we want to have a conversation so we can hear ourselves think, the off the purpose of the office is now going to be for these group meetings and this, this celebration and this camaraderie, and we'll only go when we have a reason to. I mean, Rupam, is that the research that, that you guys are seeing across uh, Frost and some of the other specialists in the space? Yes, yes, very much so. Um, and we've done a lot of work on that recently. Uh, you're right, David. I mean, with all the real estate reduction and optimization that's going on, uh, without a doubt, there will the, the office of the future is going to be more condensed. Um, and, you know, obviously with the, uh, the talent acquisition itself has expanded from location-based availability to a global talent pool. You know, my my coworker, my best coworker could be sitting in Singapore or Hong Kong, and it's it's so not location-based decision anymore. So distributed teams, remote teams, we don't need as much real estate. You know, we do need a lot more hot desking. We do need a lot more small spaces, huddle spaces, and more and more technology going into those spaces because, you know, the, the team that you're working with will may not be necessarily uh, in the office that particular day. But you know, the one thing that I think we're all losing sight of is there is a big challenge ahead of us. Remote work in the past has been uh, viewed as a disadvantage. You know, those who are in the office are more visible and, you know, they've typically been considered to be the power employees. You know, they've had an upper hand when it comes to being viewed for things like career advancement and opportunities. And when you're working remotely, no one really sees those late nights or early mornings or how hard you're working. So I think uh, someone touched upon analytics. You know, that's going to be critical. Analytics and tools that enable better employee visibility. And it's not just video. It's a combination of so many different things that will come together to really give that better view into 
measuring contribution and not so much measuring visibility. And I think that's going to be really key that everyone is viewed the same way. And one more thing very quickly is um, I was part of um, a, a series of roundtables last week with IT decision makers. And the number one thing that came up is the need for better meeting equity. When people go back into the office um, and, and there are remote participants joining those meetings, everyone wants to be on the same platform. You know, they do not want that bowling alley view of the meeting room anymore. They want to have this, this experience that we are having right now. Everyone has to be up, close, personal, viewable. So I think the technologies themselves are going to evolve at a very rapid pace. So we all are viewable and visible at all times and not put somewhere in the background just because we are working remotely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Technology is definitely changing. I, I would challenge one of the things that you said um, around the idea of, of, of you don't have the supervisor seeing you working so that you're not in a power position. I've heard that complaint a while. Actually, I heard that on the radio the last couple of weeks. It's certainly something that a lot of people are talking about, the disadvantage of not being around at that water cooler moment. I, I, I kind of think of it differently because I don't think the supervisor is going to be in the office that much either going forward. I think they will be sometimes perhaps more than the regular worker, but I like to be judged by the fact that 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 my colleague in Tokyo sends me a message and gets a reply within an hour. And and that's the level of productivity that's shrinking where they don't have to wait for the next business day. Um, or or you know, I'm 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 up at four o'clock in the morning so that I can make a nine AM meeting with my colleagues in London. I now have the flexibility in my schedule. That's a level of productivity of communication. Again, it, it doesn't work for the hardware store and it doesn't work for the coffee shop, but when you're talking about multinational large companies, the productivity comes from being able to work with your colleagues at all hours, at all times of the day. So I, I think we're going to have to find better and new ways of judging how productive people are and how much they're contributing to this bottom line. Um, I, I really think we're at this, you know, all of the changes we're talking about today and all the changes we'll continue to be talking about um, are not new. They've been happening for years. But, you know, the pandemic was just the catalyst that pushed the boulder off the hill and it's falling fast. We're, we're moving pretty quickly. So, so Tracy, you, you had wanted to make a point about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I love your points. And I think that the other thing that we've heard through our research is that people want a sense of belonging going forward. Like they're feeling really disconnected. And belonging doesn't just come from being together with people. Belonging comes from a sense of shared social identity, of shared mutual dependence. And that's um, something that we get more face to face. And we want to create a sense of proximity, even if that's mitigated by technology, even if that's perceived proximity. And I love your point, David, like our ability to adjust and make some of our own choices about how we respond and where we respond is critical. But Rupam's point, I think, is also critical around social capital, like our ability to see people, to um, understand them, to feel that kind of netting or webbing across the organization, to get advice, to stretch, to learn, to reach out to that secondary network, that tertiary network are really important. I'm working on a story right now called um, Just Because You Can Doesn't Mean You Should, you know, like, like I might love to work at home every single day in my fuzzy slippers with my little dog, but but there is something about visibility. And so either I need to figure out how to get that visibility and that connection and that belonging and that productivity virtually, and or I need to also be in the office. And it's probably a combination of both. It's probably really gotta also be about face-to-face -face as we move forward. 
And it's more than just binary. It's more than just I'm yes. home or at the office. For for most career professionals that are that are in this category, and I, I'm I'm starting to uh, agree with people that dislike the term knowledge worker because it assumes the people that need to be in person aren't knowledgeable, which isn't true. So please, you know, aviation world, please help me come up with a new term for 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 people that can work remotely most of the time. But it's I, I'm going to be at home when I have projects to work on individually, and I'm not going to be in a huddle room because I can do the huddle room conversations over video like we are doing right now to chat. And I'm going to be in the office when I want to brainstorm. But then I'm going to be at the client's site. I'm going to talk to him about what's going on at his facility. Or I'm going to be at our executive briefing centers and show people how products are working. Or I'm going to go to the trade show. And you know what? I think we've shown over this last year that trade shows um, have really let us down. That that a lot of the things that we've learned and heard at classes and and, and in demonstrations are not really all that new. What we What we loved about it was being with the people. And, and having that opportunity to, to network and to shake hands and hug. And, and you know, I think the entire concept of, of trade events is going to change. We'll see as we come to the end of this year. But but anyway, Kevin, I want to come back to you because you had made a point that I, I wanted to go on around the idea of analytics. I've already got people, you know, uh, itching on the back of my neck hearing that people are worried about Big Brother on that one and that they're going to watch everything that people are doing because it's now going to be remote management. They're going to time the time you're at your desk. You're, you're not talking about it in that context, are you? Oh, no, I certainly hope not. I mean, you know, and, and, and certainly people are trying to use analytics as, you know, in a very negative way. And I think that that, you know, it's like if you're a sales manager and if you, if people aren't hitting their quotas, it's very easy to have a knee-jerk reaction and say, well, I want to see you in the office because then somehow I expect you know, if you're if you're in the office nine to five, you're at least working or I'm going to start measuring how many emails you're sending or how many calls you're making, you know, and it's always back to this whole, you know, uh, Deming quality thing. Be careful what you measure. And so what I am excited about and seeing from analytics is how do we use these as leaders to ensure the well-being of our people? So, for instance, if we see people's behavior changing, if they're working, you know, uh, longer hours or shorter hours, this is a prompt to have a discussion and say, hey, is something going on? Is, is there some childcare issue? Is there some illness? Is there an elder care issue? Um, you know, using analytics to help our managers make sure they, they're, they have the, the appropriate one-on-one -on -one time. You know, whether that's happening in the office or remotely, the, the, the amazing experiment that, you know, kind of if we look on from a positive, the silver lining from the last year is with everybody being remote, our benchmarks are much stronger because, you know, if people were having one-on-one -on -one meetings, they, could, they weren't having them, you know, in the cafeteria in the office because nobody was in the office. So we've got fantastic benchmarks that I think we can use these analytics in a very positive way. And I'm very hesitant when anybody says productivity because I don't know how you measure the productivity of virtually, you know, every job. And so I don't think that that's the intent. I think the intent is to use the analytics, look for trends. So if something's changing, is it changing? Do we know why it's changing? Is it changing in the right direction? And also to look at comparisons. So if one department or one group of people or one office is behaving in a certain way and another is behaving differently, 
do we understand and is there something that we might want to look into and have that discussion? So it's really analytics as a discussion starter um, so that we can, you know, have, have the right discussions and look after the well-being of everybody in our organizations. That, that's a, that's a great point, Kevin. And 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 it, it, the 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 concept of how do you measure productivity and what's the story of productivity? I I could not be happier that I'm no longer a person supervisor, that I no longer lead a team. I did that for plenty of years in my career. Did it well. If you talk to people who work for me, I think they'll have nice things to say. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm an individual contributor again, and I couldn't be happier. But one of the things I learned as a supervisor was it's going to be a bad day when I'm assigning myself work. I have to make sure that, that um, first of all, I have to let other people unwrap the toys, even if they're going to do it differently than I do, because that's the only way they're going to learn, and that's the only way I'm going to be able to gauge them and judge them, give them, you know, good good guidelines on the left and right, but, but you know, let them do it. Um, and I, if I'm filling my calendar with things to do, I'm not able to manage. Effective management is communication with your team, sometimes scheduled, sometimes ad hoc, sometimes just saying, hey, what's going on? So, so... If, if, if I'm giving myself all of these tasks, if you're a supervisor right now and you are managing people and you have no time to be meeting with them, you're failing as a manager. You may be doing great in terms of your tasks, but you're definitely failing as a manager. So um, it's, it's definitely one of the key points. And, and Tim, I, I think you had a point you wanted to make, too, about you know, the difference between um, uh, measuring hours versus measuring productivity, right? Well, yeah, and, and Kevin mentioned the fact that you know, you're leveraging the analytics, but, the, you know, as far as, you know, what you're able to see, but that also has to be tied into what your team is accomplishing, right? And this is not, you know, oh, you sent 10 emails a day, so you check mark there in, in the sales team. No, are you getting the job done, right? Are, are you getting the job done? And and this goes back to, you know, years and years ago, you know, my, my grandfather retired and you know, got a gold watch and this, that, and the other, and spent 45 years and, and what have you because he was in the office from 8 o'clock in the morning until 5.30 in the afternoon or whatever, right, um, regardless of what he actually accomplished at said job. Now it is, especially after this last year, it is are you being successful? Are you contributing to the company? Are you connecting with your clients? Are you connecting with other team members? And, and at the end of the day or at the end of the week or at the end of the month, can you say here this this is kind of what we've done to move the ball forward to help the company you know uh, achieve our some of our strategic goals so is there a way though you know, I find this happens all the time. I get, uh, I'll have a colleague in, uh, in a different country reach out to me and say, I need help with X, Y, Z, and you seem like a guy who knows what's going on with it. So he'll reach out to me or she'll reach out to me, and I will absolutely help them. I love doing that. So how do, how do I get credit for that without seeming to be an idiot? Do I specifically say, oh, please send an email to my boss or please put something into the company recognition program so that they know I spent time really helping you out? Or do I hope that there's a communication that takes place between enough peers around the company that word of mouth reputation will get around to, hey, there's that Dave guy, he's doing a nice job. Or, I mean, I don't know if we figured that out yet. Real quickly, a, a, a buddy of mine um, years ago said, you know what, what, um, what gets measured gets done. And there is something there about making sure that your team members are helping each other out. And, not, and I don't have an answer to answer your question directly, right? But, 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 you know, looking at what gets measured gets done. So whether it is on a quarterly basis or however often, you know, reaching out to, you know, a, a team 
you know, as big as Polly is, I'm not quite sure how you would do this, David, but as big as Polly is saying, um, you know what, is, is, is David a team player, right? Is David a, is, does he help folks out, you know, and, and this has to be separate from you, obviously, because you have a vested interest in answering that in the, in the affirmative, but you know, you, there has to be some sort of mechanism in place where maybe not, not every person that you interact with, but enough people that you interact with that says, yes, you know, D David is, is absolutely a team player and he has helped me out in X, Y, and Z. Well, we used to have 360 reviews um, at companies. And honestly, the people that really needed the 360 reviews never were subjected to them. You know, the bad managers never got it. But, you know, you used to have to pick five or six or seven people to contribute to your reviews. I don't know a company that's actually done a lot of reviews in the last year. I think everybody just kind of shrugged and said, you survived. Okay, cool. Um, it, it's really an interesting uh, subject. You know, Tracy, you're a sociologist here. Help. Um, are, are, are people do, are people doing this uh, effectively or, or not so effectively or not at all? Yeah, I, I love your comment. It made me laugh. I, I like to say that everybody gets an asterisk for the last year, right? Everybody gets an asterisk. Everything's weird. It's, it's a skew. We don't, we can't plan on the same things, but I think that your point about how we build reputation as individuals is a really big deal. And I think it's so not about like, hey, I did this one thing, please let my boss know. I did this other thing, please let my boss know. Um, you know, culture is the accumulation of behavior over time at a group level, at an organizational level, but it's also at the individual level. And so I think that it's got to be this like regular thing where every single day is a new day in terms of how you're being responsive, how you're acting as a team player, how you're demonstrating commitment to team members, how you're demonstrating, you know, uh, generosity toward team members in terms of how you're helping them. It is that accumulation of behavior over time, I think that will build that reputation. And it's probably less about, gosh, could you make sure you're letting my boss know? That's probably the opposite of what we want in terms of that behavioral um, characteristic, that behavioral pattern. But it's tough because if I can't see it, then I need to feel it in another way. And I think that is the consistency of behavior that will be really important. So Tracy, I'm going to cut, stay with you on this point because I think it's it's a it's a and there's no it's not a fair question, so I'm not expecting a fair answer. But but how do we as companies with a significant amount of remote employees build that knowledge base that comes from peer-to-peer -peer contact? Um, it's not what's built into the system. Yes, the manager, the supervisor, as Kevin pointed out, loves this because he can come down or she can come down. These are the commandments. This is what we do. Everybody got it. 10,000 people watching, they got it. We all have our KPIs. We do what we need to do. But how do you substitute for when the person walks by and says, oh, yeah, he's a very helpful guy or, 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 or she really does? Well, you know, I, I don't know that, we, that we've developed ways to foster that. I'm going to go to everybody on this question, but I'll start with you. Are there any companies actually doing it really well now using this? remote technology? Yeah, I mean, I think there are companies that are doing it really well. And I think the companies that are doing it really well, partly they're so clear on purpose. Like people need that clear purpose, that line of sight, that how my work connects to your work and his work and her work and the end customer. So that purpose, that line of sight, reminding all the time about people's um, contribution and holding people accountable, giving people space, they're working through tough things, but also holding them accountable are a really big deal. The other thing that I think that we really need to do, and when companies do it well, they do it um, in a 
task orientation. Like lots of companies are doing Zoom happy hours and more power to them. That's great. You know, have your drink, have your iced tea on Zoom. That's great. But what really bonds people together is being able to roll up sleeves and do tasks together. What really gets us out of bed in the morning, what really engages us is when we feel stretched and challenged, when we break a sweat, either literally or figuratively. Um, and those are the kinds of things that we can do in order to bond people, in order to create the sense of proximity, is when people have to roll up sleeves and work together, that is actually more powerful than just, quote unquote, um, socializing together. And then I think this presence and accessibility of leaders, when leaders are perceived as being more present and accessible, when they check in, not check up, but check in. Those are three things that have been really, really powerful in companies that we see doing it really well. And that can all be done virtually, right? That can all be done mitigated by technology. Kevin, you had a point? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think, um, you know, organizations are still trying to figure this out. But definitely, I, I, I think, you know, some of the things that um, I've seen be effective, you know, I know people have done, used, uh, breakout rooms, so whether it's in Zoom or Teams, you get 100 people together and say create 50 breakout rooms and individually pair off people. There's uh, applications like 10,000 coffees or this type of thing. It, it creates those random serendipitous, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one times. It's kind of like speed dating for meeting people in the organization. Um, and I think that that can be powerful, especially because it breaks down hierarchies and you can have, you know, very senior leaders just talking to maybe new people who are started at the organization. Um, I think that that's one of the ways that people are trying to do these things. Um, but I think that, you know, still people are, are finding their, their ways. Um, and the last real short point is, I do think that organizations that as part of their their uh, performance appraisal process, um, you know, look at values as well as the outcomes. I think that that's very important. Uh, the challenge is like most of the time in the sales department, you know, performance trumps whatever cultural values you want to promote. But I think that if you if you have an HR organization that says, look, you can only get an 80% even if you knock the quota out of the park, if you don't, you know, if these 20% of these values are important, and that's where the things you're doing, Dave, like helping individuals, um, I think if it's important to your organization, you know, to Tim, to your point, you get what you measure. So if values are important, it's got to be important as part of the performance, and then that also has to impact, you know, how people are compensated. And I, I absolutely agree, and I love the points that you made, uh, Kevin and Tracy covered some really good ground there. Um, and I, I agree, you know, we can use technology in multiple ways to create that uh, peer culture uh, level playing field for everyone. But I think as organizations, we also need to get more tolerant, you know, have, have that forgiving uh, attitude. And I, I think video calls come to my mind because during the pandemic months, the pendulum kind of swung in the other direction and everyone has been on video meetings too much. You know, technology has helped us, but it has also been uh, to a certain extent counterproductive. You know, we have heard about Zoom fatigue and I really think it's more than Zoom fatigue. It's about not being able to accept that uh, some meetings it's okay if your uh, co-workers or people who are reporting to you are not turning on video. So, you know, having that forgiveness in terms of using technology 
being able to overlook, you know, the, you don't need to be 100% presentable in certain meetings. And uh, I, I've heard of a lot of organizations that are designating no meeting days. You know, it could be one Friday in a month or something along those lines just to give that break. So I think using technology, but also having that culture of empathy is, is uh, going to be important. And actually, Rupam, uh, she <laughs> took the one of the first things I was going to say is, is the no meeting rule, right? Uh, regardless of whether you guys as an organization decide that. The other part of it is is being supportive and, and, and using the connectivity that we have to support both our clients as well as internally. Um, but finally, and, and I don't think I've ever seen this really uh, extrapolated, but it's a, it's an idea that I've I've come to is is let's leverage some of the low tech versions of ways ways that we can connect. Every call does not need to be a video call, right? Um, every meeting, you know, and, and it's the old adage, you know, could this meeting have been an email? Which is which is a fair question even today, right? Even in connectivity, could this video call have been a phone call, right? Could it have been a text? Could it have been a Teams message? You know, so so make sure that that the 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 message you're trying to connect, you're you're trying to convey, or, or the reason that you're trying to connect fits the medium. Right. If I just need to, to, to call Tracy really quickly and, and say, hey, you know what, this really quick, 30 seconds to a minute, I don't need to jump on a video call for a minute. Right. That that can be an email. That, that can be a, a phone call. That can be a, a text or whatever. So make sure that the, the, the technology that we're leveraging to connect with everybody fits the, the, the message that we're trying to, to get across. Yes, I love your point. I think that that is this like new consciousness about our work. Like what what will work best for the work, for my work patterns, for my work preferences, for the team's work, and what are the modes that make the most sense for that? And I think we need to think about redefining. Like we always talk about socialization, right? And you see all these studies about people want to come back to the office to socialize. But there are plenty of leaders who are like, but wait a minute, doesn't that feel a little flat? fluffy. And I think socialization is so critical. It's the idea of social learning and social fabric and social networks and the way that we have these sort of social connections that support us through everything. And even like um, I've even seen some really interesting research about the um, importance of the chatter that happens at the beginning of a meeting. In the olden days, we used to think about that as kind of fluffy, silly stuff. And now that chatter at the beginning of the meeting is the way that we're able to connect because it's not happening at the coffee machine or in the hallway, you know, walking to the next meeting together. And so that redefinition, that openness to redefinition about our work patterns and what works best for us and for teams, and that redefinition of how we think about making those connections and that socialization and how we redefine socialization is a really big deal. Yeah, I think that, that that's, you know, some awesome points, um, Tracy. And I, I think building on that, you know, helping train people on those best practices. But also, um, one of the things that I'm aware of is, you know, a lot of us use these tools on a regular basis. And I think um, we have to keep in mind that, you know, we're not doing enough training on both the technology, like just how to use it, um, but then where we should be using it. So. I, I think everybody, you know, if we want to have empathy for, you know, many of our coworkers, um, whoever's responsible, invest the time in the training, both the technology and then the best practices, because I, I, I think people are struggling. It's like I technology. 
technology. So every time there's a new feature, I go, wow, there's a new feature. There's a new button. But, you know, if I think of my wife or most other people, they go, oh, man, there's a new button that I got to figure out. Why did they move things around? So I think, you know, more training will help people be more comfortable both with, you know, kind of just what buttons to push and also training around when you should push particular buttons or use particular tools. Yeah, Kevin, I think that's actually one of the most important points we talked about today because we need to stop thinking that everybody can just adapt and use it, but we also need to stop thinking that the way I use it is the way the next guy needs to use it. We need to be able to figure out some sort of general understandings of these new best practices of this new playbook and then figure out a nice wide swath of, of acceptable persona types within it so that not everybody's going to do it exactly the same way. And I think we've got some figuring out to do. I just want one of the key points that I want everybody to get out of this webcast is we are about to transition back to the office to some extent. It's going to be different than working remotely was for the last year and a half. And it's going to be different than working in the office was because the offices are different and the purpose is different. So, so we're going to need to really come up as, as, as specialists with these technologies and, and with these interpersonal relationships and come up with that best practices playbook. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, figuring it out with the rest of everybody else and hopefully not having those bad days and bad weeks where everything falls on you. But you know, who knows? We're going to we're going to all be in virgin territory. And I'm, and I'm very hopeful, you know, that that by, I don't know, June, July, August, September, as trade shows start again, you know, we can have some of these conversations in person again, um, uh, just because I like it. But, you know, we'll get a camera in the room, too, so we can have it. So, so let me go around the room one more time and ask everybody um, uh, how people can reach out to you if they want to find out and if you have any final thoughts. So, uh, so Rupam, let me start with you. Anything that uh, from this that that comes to the top of mind that, that is most important? you in this conversation and then if somebody wanted to reach out to you how would they get you yeah well you can reach me on twitter at rupam jain um and and you know one of the things that i've been talking a lot about is as we are moving into this what i call the great unknown territory of hybrid and remote work right uh, yes technology is going to create a level playing field but it's really important to note and then we in the industry have been so focused on driving productivity a little too focused on that and now is the time to step back and look at things like employee engagement are you really creating that conducive satisfying happy environment for your employees and inclusivity and well-being these are becoming top of mind it's it's not just all about productivity Great point, and you're 100% right. Um, Kevin, uh, how can people, what are your final thoughts here, and how can people reach out to you if they want to find you? Yeah, so people can find me at Kay Keeler on Twitter or via LinkedIn. Um, final thoughts, um, certainly if anybody is in the Microsoft ecosystem, you know, there's a lot of gold uh, analytics that are being captured, and if somebody wants to try to figure out what they should be looking at and kind of decipher some of those, um, please reach out. I, I really want and am passionate about how can we use these analytics to help people as they transition back to, as you say, David, this whatever this new way of working is. The, the, the great unwashed, the great unknown. Um, yes. Tracy, we've got to come up with a technical term, or maybe you have already, and you'll put it in one of your articles about um, the chatter you mentioned, the pre-meeting chatter, which, which was so extraneous and dumb when we were in the office. And now the little bits of crumbs that we're craving for to understand what's going on in everybody else's life. We have to come up with a term for that, some, you know, like, like a sniglet or something like that. So, so Tracy, yeah. what are your final thoughts and how can people get in touch with you? 
I love it. Craving for crumbs. You're so right. A sniglet. That's really good. I think this is our moment. I think, you know, like this has been really, really tough, but it's our moment for a new beginning, for acceleration, for kind of um, adopting and adapting some new behaviors and new protocols and new opportunities. So that is just all good. And so, you know, let's let's embrace that. Um, people can find me at TracyBrower.com or TracyBrowerPhD on LinkedIn or Steelcase.com. My brand new baby, the secrets to happiness at work. My new book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Target and other booksellers. So uh, that's how to find me. Tracy, if I buy one, will you autograph it for me? <laughs> I would love to. I'd be honored. <laughs> oh, great. That's I always want autograph first editions. That's terrific. So Tim, my friend, will I be seeing you at uh, Enterprise Connect or Infocom or, or Cedia or, uh, or are we going to do one of these live shows somewhere again sometime by the end of this year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You'll, you can't get rid of me, dude. Um, you'll see me at, <laughs> at probably all of them, actually, quite frankly. Excellent. Um, CD we'll is just up the road. Yeah. Um, CD so, is going to be big this year. CD is going to be big because of, uh, you know, home and work. It's a blend. It's going to be really interesting. So anyway, your final thoughts on how can somebody reach out to you? No, you're right. And it, and it will be. It will be absolutely huge. Um, so final thoughts here is, is let's not, you know, Tracy mentioned the fact that, that this is an opportunity regardless of where you work, right? And, and there's a vast majority of folks that did go home and did uh, have worked remotely for the last year. But I, quite frankly, there are some folks who didn't, right? Who, who were essential, who had to be in the office. Both groups need to not let this moment pass them by to redefine what it means to work and redefine what it means to work together uh, for the, the, the next kind of generation, the next iteration of what the working um, people are going to be going through the next the next you know 10 20 years, um, because you do have gen millennials and the Gen Zs behind them that are going to be kind of um, e evolving that 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 uh, that decision. Uh, for me, you can still get me at Aviation uh, Aviation TV Aviation TV, or you can find me on the Twitters uh, TD Tim David Albright. Tim, Tracy, Kevin, Rupam, thank you very much. This is really fascinating. I think we're, we're you know, just when we thought we were going back to normal, they're dragging us back into the unknown. And it's going to be up to people like us and other people in the industry that understand the technologies and the interpersonal relationships to really, you know, get content out there to help guide people. So I'm, I'm certainly available. Anybody who wants to reach out to me can uh, just Google me, David J. Danto. I'm one of only two David Dantos in the world uh, and the other guy's a distant cousin up in Canada that works with the indigenous population. So if you're finding, you know, a, a, a psychologist in Canada, it's not me. I'm the other one. Uh, but it's it's a pleasure to work with all of you guys. He's a good guy. I've met him a few times. Um, uh, pleasure to chat with all of you. Uh, we'll keep bringing this content over to you. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm praying that around June this year, you know, sometime in the New York City area, we're going to get, you know, people back together for one of our typical dinners. We're going to do it outdoors and we're going to do it with vaccinated people only. And then at the end of the year, you know, God willing, and with a little bit of luck, you know, maybe we'll get life back to whatever the next normal is going to be. So for, for the IMCCA, for Aviation TV, uh, I'm your host, David Danto. Thanks very much for joining us and we will see you on the next one.